Healthcare spending made up 5% of total U.S. GDP in 1960. In 2020, spending hit almost 20%. National polls show Americans believe healthcare prices and drug costs are among their top pocketbook concerns. Over the past 20 years, the runaway cost of health insurance has outpaced earnings and inflation, leaving our families with less freedom and less money. Families, small businesses, and individuals alike are struggling to find a way to pay for the health care they can't seem to afford. So how are we going to solve this problem? All over the world, technology is changing the way people and society connect and interact. The result? Countless industries are disrupted. But while the rest of the world has changed, insurance and the way we pay for health care remains broken and largely the same. What if there was a way we could all pay for health care that simply worked better and felt better than insurance? Well, today there is. We are Impact Health Sharing. We are a network of families, individuals, business owners, and small entrepreneurs who want to see the old way of doing things change. We use technology to connect tens of thousands of individuals and families across the nation to simply share and pay each other's medical bills. Old problems can be solved when people come together to leverage their sense of community with technology to control the cost of healthcare. Save as much as 30 to 70% on your healthcare costs. Get a free quote from Impact by visiting impactmyhealthshare.com. Click the link below or scan the QR code on the screen to visit our website automatically. state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. Good morning, everybody. Now we're transitioning to the Pete Santilli show, uh, which broadcasts immediately following Market Ultra. We'll be kick off the morning at 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. It's 9.07 here on uh, the East Coast here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome uh, to this broadcast on Thursday, February 29th. Everybody get uh, get settled in. Um, you know, we just covered an important topic, uh, probably one of the biggest ones. And if we get our minds wrapped around this thing, uh, this massive globalist effort, this 
psychological warfare that's being perpetrated upon us. Um, and also the criminalization of any resistance whatsoever. Uh, these Maoists have permeated every single major institution, the media, the corporations, the DEI crap. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we need to, and I say, figuratively speaking, um, if, if you fired one bullet, okay, at what it is, um, we, we can't take it out. If we nuked, you know, a city, if we nuked a region of our country, we can't make this go away. This thing is so big that kinetic warfare um, is, is not the response to it. But I'm going to tell you something, that there's something even more powerful than the most powerful weapons known to mankind on planet Earth. And that is we the people killing this communism that's upon our planet. It's done by a small group of people. They have the technocracy. Uh, we need to do what Mickey Klon did yesterday at Maricopa County and every single county. We need to put these people on notice. They're working for a corporation. They're not beholden to us. They're violating their oaths if they even have one to begin with. And none of them, not one, not one elected official right now. And I'm going to say this over and over again. Not one elected official, whether you like them or not, has been put in office legally because of the election fraud system that is in place. Um, and anybody that's worth their, their weight in gold, if you are a good policy, like let's just grab somebody that everyone loves that I haven't been critical of lately. You know, let's, let's say uh, Matt Gates, right? Matt Gates. Everybody likes Mike Matt Gates. He's a truth teller. Matt Gates should come to the podium and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, the voting system is so rigged that I can't even tell you that I was elected. <laughs> like, I, I'm not even a congressperson because I was elected on a fraudulent system. And 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 those that step step up and like uh, uh, Clay." Um, Congressman Clay um, Higgins should step up to the podium and say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even a legitimate congressperson. I'm, I'm going to admit it myself. The system is so rigged that I can't even say that I received, you know, the correct number of votes. As a matter of fact, on behalf of all the Democrats that lost to me, um, it could have been rigged, maybe because they didn't like the Democrat, you know. And they cancel out your vote and they have the power to do that. So what do we do to contend with what's upon us? Every single county, every single person must do their part. They must do their part. We're in a war. We're going to kill it. The, this Maoism. Between now and then, uh, we're going to make love, not war. And therefore, I introduce my lovely bride, the, the beautiful and illustrious, ravishing, most spectacular. <laughs> you're funny. My, Good um, morning. Good morning. You're my best friend. I am. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much. I love when you walk much. into the studio. You do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I call to the Lord and ask him to fill 
me with his Holy Spirit, just push out all evil. When you yeah. walk into this room, yeah, Satan just runs oh. because of your radiating goodness. Well, good for him. That's good for him. He yeah. needs to be running, right? Yeah. Am I'm I over exaggerating? Under the weather. Do I treat you like oh. this uh, off the air? You do. It's very nice. Is it like a honeymoon thing because we're newlyweds? Um, or, or have I just basically submitted to the fact that you've always <laughs> been my best friend and I might as well just call you a keeper? Uh, you might as well just call me a keeper, but you've always been nice to me, you know? Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of arm's length. Yeah. You know, uh, Sean Ryan helped me overcome that, by the way, uh, yeah. through his podcast, uh, because we military people, you know. Um, yeah. everything's got to be right. The sock drawer needs to be perfect. Otherwise I'm not going <laughs> to marry you for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, you know, as I say, maybe I need to accept the fact that you're okay with missing socks. Yeah, right? I am. <laughs> you are. Mm-hmm. I don't panic over such things. No. And I say, you know, and, and I had this problem and it was me. It was a military thing because uh-huh. if we did a, a FOD walk, a foreign object debris walk right out on the flight line uh-huh. and there was a nut or a screw out on the flight line. Yeah. If, if that one screw is not picked up and it gets sucked into a jet intake. Yeah. People die. Yeah. Okay. But when I open up my sock drawer, if there's one sock that's out of place, who cares? Nobody's going to freaking die. Yeah. You know, I mean, I haven't had military training. I I remember telling you, you know, well, if you want your socks perfect, then do it yourself. That (laughs) is insubordinate. (laughs) That's what I told you, though, when we had this conversation about it, because I mean, I'll just throw the socks in there. I don't line them up. And and if you know, if they come out and there's four or five of them missing, I just throw them in the garbage. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, and you're just like, oh my God. And I'm like, dude, seriously. But, but yeah, I mean, the military, I think will do that to people. I I really do, especially the Marine Corps. I just, I think that it will, you know, it, it, especially when you were in the military, uh, you know, with the cold war and everything, you know, and everybody was always on edge over world war three, much like it is now. Carl Benjay mm-hmm. stated something legally inaccurate. Uh, he stated he's sucking up because it's legal now. It's <laughs> 50-50 now, right? It's not yeah. a legal issue. That's what he says. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not all, I, mean, I, I, do don't, I don't do 50-50. I mean, I do a lot of things that, you know, like, like right after lunch, I won't do the dishes right away. That bugs the hell out of you. You can't stand that. Right. What What did I? And you, I mean, you know, I've, you, I've, you know I've, I don't do 50 done. 50. You know this, right? Yeah. I mean, I got married really, really young. So when I refer to my quote unquote ex, it's not like some alien, you know, you know what I mean? I, I just uh-huh. I got married at a very young age. Yeah. And you just don't have. First of all, uh, getting married at 21 years of age mm-hmm. should be illegal. Yeah. Like uh, uh, that's dumb. <laughs> That's stupid. Nobody should be getting married at 21. And yeah. I was a really responsible 21. But well, what do, what do you see, know? People, you people, barely know the difference between shit and Shinola. Yeah, but our generation, I mean, everybody was getting married right out of high school. 
you know, 19 They do, but you old. still don't know. You and don't know how to be. And even some people in high school were getting married, right? Yeah, you don't know how to be uh, a parent. You don't know how to be a, you know, a, a father, a, 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 a husband. Oh, man, I don't know about. I don't know. I, I think that if you're going to get married, you're going to have children. You should do a, it when you're young. A 21-year-old, okay, has mm -hmm. a boner. That's about it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe huh? maybe your 21-year-old self, but I mean... There's a, there's a lot of guys. I was really responsible. I mean, I, I bought a house very young. There's a lot very... of people that I know that got married when they were 18 years old, Pete, and still married. My parents got married when they were 15 and 16. My mom was 15. My mm. dad was 16. And do you know that they stayed married until the day that they. Did you know, know the first conversation that I had with my parents mm -hmm. uh, about the girl that I was going to marry? You know what I had to overcome? What? The fact that she was Mexican. Really? They thought that it was like Speedy Gonzalez cartoon. <laughs> like she was, and she was lazy taking a siesta. All Mexicans, you know, they were like almost racist. Who, your parents <laughs> said this? Your family? My, my parents, they're like, um, they're like, you're married to Mexican? Like, oh my goodness. You know, they just thought that there was this cartoon in their head. Still, yeah. Mexicans in New York, you know? Yeah, indoctrination, right? Yeah, indoctrination. Yeah. Now, my mom became good friends with you, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She liked you. She did. Huh? Yep. She told me that, too, before she passed away. Yeah. She said she liked you. Yeah. She said, you got a good woman there. Take good care of her. Oh, how sweet before she of left. her. Huh? How sweet of her. That is so sweet. Yes. Um, so here we are, um, to cover the following news story. You ready? The Supreme court has announced that they're going to hear the case that Donald Trump has before them. And it's going to happen April 22nd. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, they're going to hear the case on April 22nd and guess what happened? What? The left snapped. You know what they were counting on? Well, they were counting on them to do it uh, much earlier so that they could use it as lawfare to keep them. No, no, no. What? Let me stop you. You ready? Okay. Um, they were counting on the Supreme Court saying, no, we're not going to hear it. The lower court is right oh. and kick it back down to them. Yes, Nancy I Pelosi, hear Chuck Schumer, I mean, everybody. They are violently upset because they had counted on the fact that the Supreme Court was going to say, you know what? We're not going to see this. Uh, this is silly. Yeah, this is a state the low, issue. The lower court, right. you know, uh, you know, right? It's a mm -hmm. state. Yeah, we're going to kick it back. And guess what would have happened if they kicked it down to the lower court? The lower court ruling was in favor of the deep state. Yeah, right? it would have. It would have. And he would have. They would have tried to put him in jail. Yeah. You yeah. know, rush yeah. him into a trial. Yeah. And then put him in jail. So, so they are going absolutely crazy right now. Again, we're, I'm not saying this to scare you we, as, as each opportunity comes about for us to overcome this Maoism upon us yeah. becomes even more dangerous. Yeah. When your adversary is backed into a corner, what does it do? Oh, it, it's either going to be paralyzed or come out swinging. It's going to come out scratching, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what we're uh, contending with right now. 
Um, Deb, uh, what I want you to do, please. Yeah. You, you were the one that had a very serious demeanor when I walked in the office uh-huh. uh, last night. It was uh, 9, 10 or so. Yep. And you were at the printer and yep. you pulled this document off the printer. Mm -hmm. And Deb doesn't normally assert herself the way she did. She said, guess what your top news headline is tomorrow. She never does that. Yeah. But she presented the case. She made that statement and then backed it up with reading this freaking leftism. Mm -hmm. She said, you're not going to believe this. And we started reading it. So I, I want you to, um, yeah. to share Share with everybody how significant this this thing by Letitia James. A couple of days ago, we were researching our background. What did you discover? Mm -hmm. That from twenty uh, from twenty ten mm. twenty ten, where she was making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, to now twenty twenty four, she well twenty twenty three. We don't know now about twenty twenty four yet, uh, but to twenty twenty three, she is now worth $15 million, $15 million. So I did, I mean, she owns real estate, a lot of stocks. Uh, you look pretty this morning. I do. Yeah. I feel kind of, I feel kind of not pretty. I feel I'm, I'm a little under the weather actually. I feel like shutting the show down and chasing you around in your cubicle. Well, you would catch me because I'm not feeling too good, but no. I certainly appreciate you saying those nice things. You think I'm just saying that for dramatic effect? Maybe. And public <laughs> performance? Or, Maybe. I don't know. Or do you believe that I would shut the show, show down right now and <clears throat> come and um, have breakfast with you? You might. Mm. <laughs> you might. Oh, my goodness. I was right in the middle of. I'm sorry. sorry about that. That's I'm, okay. You, you know how distracted me. I am. Huh? <laughs> you distract. I can't even focus. Oh, you're so funny. Huh? You're sweet. I, All right. So, Letitia James. Can we just shut the stream down and conjugate? Stop it. No? Okay. Stop. All right. Go ahead. So, Letitia James. <laughs> so, Letitia James, um, she has made all of this money. And New York, right? The real estate. She owns like luxury townhomes and and her family. She's also in business with her family. Her family is included. She's building her own little dynasty there. Um, and they own all kinds of property together too, her, her whole family, right? So she's made all of this money in her portfolio, uh, portfolio uh, stock portfolio is worth millions. So, I mean, she's going after Trump and, and I look at this. And so when she goes after Trump, he immediately, uh, businesses start saying, we're out of here. There's a lot of people, uh, who own businesses in, in the state of New York, not just New York city, uh, who are, standing strong behind Trump and saying, uh, we're out of here. And they're moving to places like uh, Tennessee and they're moving to places like Florida. These businesses are all moving, but Florida 
is getting ready to reap what they've sown too. Wait and see these corporations. So um, last night I gave you, I saw this article and you guys know, I mean, everybody knows she's going after Donald Trump. She's going, she's, she's doing the RFK junior thing on steroids going after these companies. Now the, one of the largest beef producers in the world, in the world, she's going after them. She's suing them. Why? Because they're not, because she says they're, they say that they're practicing green and sustainable, uh, sustainable practices in their business, but they're not. And she's going after them for millions. She wants to take them, put them out of business. So there you go. What do you guys see this? It blew me away. Really? You okay, peep? <laughs> yeah, I am. I was just fast forwarding uh, to make sure that uh, we're caught up on, uh, on rumble. Uh, by the way, how is the overall audio quality on rumble? Is everything stable now? Cause um, we're having problems on the other stream. Uh, mm. Angie, are we sounding good uh, too? Are we, are we doing well? It sounds good. Everything's good. It does. Okay. Good. Fantastic. Good. Good to hear that. So, All right. so Pete, go over this I article. I have Todd Benzman coming on in, uh, what, 35 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So this article, let everybody know what this article is about in depth. And mm -hmm. because this is, I mean, she is not backing off. And when you guys, he, uh, he has to. Do you have the, you have both of them, right? Wait till you guys hear the amount of business that Letitia James and the, and these leftists have run out of the state of New York. It is quite impressive. And you have to ask yourself why, why they're doing this. So there you go. Mm -hmm. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm sorry. My, That's okay. My computer's locked up. Are you mad at oh, me? Oh, is it? No, no. I just can't tell what's happening. So, because hmm? all I have is visual. I don't have a visual on the computers. Where's my, where's my WIP? I don't know. Oh, there it is. Sorry. I thought I it was know. deleted. Hmm? So this okay. woman Here, is crazy. Here's, here's the crazy. Here, here's, here's the uh, top level impact. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to share with you uh, economically, all right? These these people, they don't care about, um, all they care about is their survival, mm -hmm. really. Uh, and, and, the, and their ideas suck so bad that they have to kill, you know, their opposition uh, economically. Like President Trump can't have him running for office. Let's sue him into oblivion. And um, assess a you know a fine of four hundred sixty million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on behalf of what entity? On behalf of who? On behalf of who? Yeah. Why is New York State? They're taking money from President Trump. Where's that money going to go? Well, that's the issue. Nobody knows where it's really going to go. And publicly, it has not been said where the money's going to go. But we all know that it's going to go right back in. To the pockets of all of these globalists, right? Yeah. And and mm. they are going to use this money, mm. they think, right, that by suing all of these companies, they're it, it takes two things. They'll it it 
it covers two things. They push these companies out of New York and then they use the money to rebuild the, you know, the, the Green New Deal. Right. A real time uh, experience I'm having regarding this, and I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state. Like California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now. And I- right, and and that's. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what's happening in New York. There, right. there are companies that are literally leaving in droves. Okay. Right. Uh, here it is. Look at uh, New York loses $1 trillion in Wall Street businesses as firms flee the city. Do you think they care about that? Do, do they care about economic prosperity of New Yorkers or do they care about just remaining in power? No, I think it's, listen, they have to bring it down so that they can rebuild it. It's the same mindset that they have about Ukraine. And instead of using war to do it in New York, they're just going to get rid of all the businesses. They want to bring it down. Mm. They want to bring it down. They want to bring their economy down so that they can rebuild it. And they think that they can. See, that's the problem here. And it's, it's, Basically, all it, it's all experimental, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going to happen. It's like setting off the atomic bomb for the first time. Yep. They don't know exactly what's going to happen. You by, know? by the way, this is but not... But they're willing to do it. What, what, what you're uh, seeing on the screen right now is not some leftist George Soros rag or the no. Daily Beast or anything like that. You know what it is? Mm-hmm. It comes directly from the New York government website. Yes. The attorney general's office says that attorney general James Sue's world's largest beef producer. They, they wrote this title, by the way. Yes. For misrepresenting environmental impact of their products. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hand you this right here and I just want you to read a couple of excerpts. Nobody's going to see it on the screen, but here, hold on. Okay. Hold on. You ready? You yeah. do it. Because I could do it, but it'll be more impactful if you do. Which which one do you want me to read? Any anyone that strikes you. Any quote from her. Oh well, I mean, all of this. Just you would just read the whole damn page. Oh. She says that beef production emits the most greenhouse gases of any major food commodity and animal agriculture accounts for 14.5% of annual global greenhouse gas emissions. In 2021, the JBS group, which is the company that, that she is suing, right? Um, JBS USA's global parent company reported total global greenhouse gas emissions of over 71 million tons more than the total emissions of some countries. Attorney General James seeks to stop JBS USA from continuing these false and misleading marketing practices, paid disgorgement of all ill-gotten profits and penalties. As famous families continue to face the daily impacts of the climate crisis, 
they are willing to spend more of their hard-earned money on products from brands that are better for the environment. (laughs) Brands that are better for the environment. Yeah, I mean, she's telling people, she's she's telling you that you're willing to spend your money, more money, the extra cost of... Of what, Pete? Of bugs, of fake meat, right? Yeah, she wants I to mean, shut down my barbecue too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see, where's another? And get rid thing of my plastic, says. my plastic straws, right? She says they are willing to spend more of their hard-earned money on products from brands that are better for the environment. When companies falsely advertise their commitment to sustainability, they are misleading consumers and endangering our planet. JBS USA's greenwashing exploits the pocketbooks of everyday Americans and the promise of a healthy planet for future generations. My office will always ensure that companies do not abuse the environment and the trust of hardworking consumers for profit. Uh, powerful, powerful words coming from Deb Jordan versus me. And Deb didn't scream about it. No. But she, she might as it, well have. This, she says, when greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide and methane are emitted into the Earth's atmosphere, they trap the heat from the sun resulting in a global warming and climate change and climate change. Beef production contributes significantly to global climate change and is the top driver of deforestation in the world's tropical forest, more than double that of soy, palm oil, and wood production combined. Where, where is this beef producer located, by the way? Um, in New York. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's in um, Upper New York. JBS USA is what they're called. Consumers worldwide are increasingly concerned about their impact on the environment and put greater trust in companies and brands that pledge to be sustainable. Or climate conscious. Recent studies have shown that people are influenced by a company's environmental reputation and are willing to change their habits to switch to more environmentally friendly products. I call bullshit, okay? I'm sorry, but I think that is absolutely 100% a lie, right? I, I mean, I really do. And so here's what she's doing. She's saying that they're, they're telling people that they're environmentally friendly and that they are uh, a green company when they really aren't. So I'm going to sue them into oblivion and, and chase them uh, and take all their money and chase them out of New York City. I mean, the state of New York. Right. I mean, this is incredible what this woman is doing. Thanks for calling the New York State Office of the Attorney General. You may also visit our website at www.ag.s. Sorry, go ahead. Continue on. I'll mute. Um, So, um, 
Let's see what else she has to say here. And, and, and let me tell you guys something. Letitia James did not write this. She did not write this. Okay, this. Sorry, I'm holding it off to the side. She did not write this. Somebody wrote this for her. I promise you. I promise you that. She has no idea about climate change. <laughs> this, is, this is more uh, written from a, a law firm from somebody like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. This is what they did, right? The government has gone to a whole new level here. Remember, the Bundy Ranch was, was uh, partially caused in a huge way, actually, uh, a whole lot by climate change activists, uh, environmentalists, right, who came in like uh, and and sued the bureau. They have this cozy thing, this cozy relationship with the Department of the Interior and I mean, and Washington, D.C., right? Harry Reid and all of these people, all of these environmentalists have have these relationships with all of these folks. And it, it is they did this thing called sue and settle. Right. So, Pete, you know, as well as I do that the environmentalist, the environmentalist in this and the and that's how these big um, environmental uh, groups and, and law firms, especially uh, become billionaires. I mean, they're worth billions of dollars because, um, you know, they're in bed with the government. So you will eat the bugs. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a meat uh, production company, right? That is the, one of the largest, if not the largest in the world that, that she is going after here. So, I mean, do you think they'll stay in the state of New York? I mean, what is New York going to do with, with the, with these people running it? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Answers to many of your questions. This is crazy. Visit our website at It's always like this, Pete. That's why it's always such a, you know. Press one if you'd like to you. Globalism is a form of terrorism. Yes. Seriously, I think I'm um, the most experienced at calling the government. Thank you for calling the New York State Attorney General Office. Rosario speaking. How can I help you? What's your name, Rosaria? Rosario. Rosario. ¿Cómo estás, muchacha? Correct. Uh, uh, How can I help you? And can I have your name, please? Well, here, here's the thing. My name is Pete Santilli. S-A-N-T-I-L-L-I. -L -L -I. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I understand Letitia James wants to mess with my beef. And uh, I'm in an area that's supplying water and electricity to to New York. And can you please tell her she messes with our beef? We're going to cut off your water and your electricity. How about that? We're going to you're, you're a bunch of freaking communists. And Letitia James is herself the largest beef producer herself she needs to she needs to stop messing with the beef of our country or we're going to cut you off 
of your electricity and your water. How about that? That's your opinion, sir. It's not an opinion. It's I actually. We live in a, it's in a, a free, in a free country. No, we. That's, we're not in a free country. We're not in a free country. You're a bunch of freaking communists country. screwing with our beef about climate change. She's a freaking communist. How do, how does she make one hundred twenty thousand dollars and she's worth fifteen million? How does that work? That's not in a free country. I'll tell you that. In a free country, you don't make money that fast. You know, you know how you do it? You get money pumped into your keister from George Soros. That's not a free country. What country did you come from? I thought you fled communism. Now you are it. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. No. Did you fled communism? I'm part of the United States and from Puerto Rico. If you know history, then you're okay. Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. I'm from New York. I know how Puerto I know how Puerto Rico works, okay? You, you don't need to roll your R's like so that. You, you need to assimilate. That we, you cannot say that I flee from my country or anything like that. You didn't leave. You didn't leave a communist you, country. Puerto Rico is part of the United States, so. So for that reason, sir. You know, seriously, I'm, I'm from, uh, I was born and raised in New York. And thank God, uh, thank God, uh, I am not there anymore. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, you you people are disgusting freaking communists. And I'm going to tell you something right now. We're done with you. I would just evacuate now. Leave. Because we're going to hold you accountable. You're not. Uh, you're destroying our country. Everyone is $1 trillion in businesses leaving New York. Does that give you a pretty good idea of which direction you're headed? Do you even care uh, that you don't have any more economic prosperity in New York? Do you care? Seriously, and you let you let Puerto Rico, and you're working for a communist, Letitia James. Why don't you go unplug her computer? Can you do that for me? Does she walk by your office? She comes to the office once in a while. She does. When she walks by your office, stick your leg out of your cubicle and trip her freaking fat ass. You know. Do it. Can you please do it I think you on behalf laugh. of all mankind? You need to stop these communists. Are, are, and if you're not going to, then please tell me right now. We'll we'll have you brought up for a tribunal, too. You know, are you on our side okay. or her side? I am the side that I believe is right and that's it. That's you, my personal opinion. Your personal opinion is what? I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I didn't I didn't understand that. What, what did you say? And in the side that I think is right. You think it's right to 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 go after the world's I largest. I didn't say in any size. I didn't show you in any size that I am. You can express yourself. I have the right to listen to you, and that's it. Make notations of I, how you feel about this office. Can I tell you something? You are Did so. You, you are so. You are so sweet. You really are. I mean, I, I kind of feel bad that you have to take my call because you sound very, very kind. No, sweet. no. Listen, sir, I'm, I'm here. I am. Um, I let everybody to express themselves the way that they want. If they don't curse, I listen to, they, uh, to them. I make notations and that's it. 
everybody yeah. have the right to express themselves. If I agree, if I agree or disagree, I don't have to give my opinion. Yeah. You can express yourself the way you want about the United States or about New York City or about how everything is going on. Yeah, no, I, I well, this isn't an, uh, an an opinion. Can you tell me how does somebody uh, that was worth you know a couple hundred thousand dollars is now worth fifteen million? How does that happen in such a short period of time? I don't know. Well, I that's cannot, I cannot give my opinion. That's, that's, that's I not an opinion. Like I said, that's not an opinion. Can you find out and then? That just don't send it. Just be real sweet in the office and unplug her freaking computer. <laughs> you can do it quietly. You know what I mean? I have a lot of work to do, sir. Oh, I know. What's I have a lot of work to do. Rosario. Que pasa buen día? Thank you, sir. Que tenga buen día. Okay. And just take the good and reject the bad and that's it. You know, don't get If you get upset too much, then you get old fast. Life is part of that. Now we know more because of internet, but this is nothing new under the sun. And the Bible said that. It's nothing new in this world under the sun. The only difference now is that we get information faster and see things faster because of internet, but it's nothing new. So. But you cannot skip. For yes, that that's very beautifully said. You do me a favor, though. Just remember, if you're going to cite the Bible, don't skip any parts of the Bible. Don't skip parts. I don't. I read my Bible three times a year from top to the bottom. And every day that I read it, or every time, I find something new. So for that, I have peace no matter. If everything's troubled by me, I have peace in my heart. I have peace in my mind. Yeah, and when the time comes, I know where I'm going. That's it. Oh, that's so beautiful, they said. That is. I, I, if I could, you know, if I could come in there and hug you, I would do that. Uh, but and we I'm, know where Letitia James <laughs> is going to. Yeah. Well, listen, you you are God-centered. Rosario, uh, listen, you are God-centered. You know what I'm saying. You don't need to express your opinion. You know in your heart and soul that what these people are are communists. Okay? You said this is communist. You like carne asada? Mm-hmm. I love carne asada. I eat a lot of beef. <laughs> you eat a lot of beef? She's messing with your beef. You need to go unplug her computer and cut the cord on her phone so that she can't, you know, do that kind of work quick. Because I love beef. I love beef. Me yeah. too. I, I don't eat too much, but once, at least once a week. Yeah. You're such a sweetheart. Thank you once so much. Once a week, for, I, leave, I Ros eat you. Rosario. Uh, so you work in Leticia James's office, right? I work in Leticia James' office, but I've been here long before she was here. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I've been here for a long time. All right, time. listen. I want you to do me a favor. Write this down, okay? Write my name down. Pete mm -hmm. Santilli. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pete Santilli. And, you know, have you ever heard of the website Rumble as a video it's a website? No. Yeah, you'll you, you'll want to just uh, Rosario. Thank you so much. You've been very sweet, and uh, go look me up over at Rumble. I'm a talk show host. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this. Vaya con okay, Dios. Sir. Vaya con Dios. Usted también. All right. Okay. Adiós. Yes, it's very beautiful. Wow. Ah, uh, mi corazón. <laughs> 
that was. But you know what? Rosario. I mean, huh? She knows where she's. That was a beautiful call. Yeah. But I think I can get her to trip Letitia James. <laughs> but you hear how she spoke. She's no, like, she was yeah, laughing. I'm here in Letitia James' office. And I've been here a lot longer than she has. You know who's running that place over there, right? Yeah. I want her running that place. Yeah. I want her back at the water cooler, rallying everyone for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, Chappie just said, but guess what? She's just doing her job. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we need to be really careful. If that gets out, she'll probably lose that job, and she's had it for a very long time. Yeah? Uh, yeah. No, she won't. She she didn't say anything inappropriate. No, she was laughing. <laughs> and no, she didn't. She didn't say anything inappropriate. The way we judge things that people say, mm, but mm, the mm. way that they judge things that people say, yeah, you know, is like, okay, right? listen, you know what I'm let's, saying? Uh, let's play this. We got one more clip to, uh, to play here. All right. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I want to let, let's, let's pop to it if we could, because in a couple of minutes here, Todd Benzman will be uh, joining me, uh, mm -hmm. report on the border. Todd Benzman. You guys know who he is, right? You guys know who Todd Benzman is? He's an expert on all things U.S.-Mexico border. Mm -hmm. For right now, let's listen to the folks over there where Alex Newman was giving his presentation, right? Yep. In 1991, my family filed the first federal land grazing takings case against the U.S. federal government. This war on America's landowners, on the beef industry, on our farmers has been going on a long, long time. We were in court for 27 years. We won every round except the last one when we got before a the D.C. Circuit. Is that the Hage and family? The Eastern judges have no concept of federal lands issues in the West. And they ruled against us on two technical issues. We lost everything. We no longer have this ranch. But this has been going on in America for a very, very long time. The Biden administration is upping the game. So what's happening in the Netherlands in particular, uh, one of the reasons that the farmers are protesting in all of these nitrogen emissions comes from this agreement that they signed on to called Natura 2000. And this is where they made all these commitments, which now leads them to have to reduce the Margaret Byfield is an attorney. Natura 2000 is the precursor to what has been implemented in America by the Biden administration known as 30 by 30. So what is 30 by 30? 30 by 30 is an international agenda to permanently protect 30 percent of the world's land and ocean in its natural state. It means no use. These are lands that we don't use. We don't get to raise beef mine, farm, drill for oil and gas. So Biden launched this six days after he, he was in office. And he said, he said when he did this, that only, or his, his department said when he did this, that only 12% of the land in America today is considered permanently protected. So this is a map, this is what they're talking about. This is a map produced by the USGS, and it catalogs the level of protection on all the land in America. The green lands are owned by the federal government. People are sometimes surprised to realize the state that I was raised in, Nevada, 87% of Nevada is owned by the federal government. 50% of the West is owned by the, by the federal government already. What's in green, the government owns. The two darkest green colors are the 12%. 
So what they're after, those, those are our national parks, wilderness areas, private lands with conservation easements in perpetuity. Those are the big ones. The national monuments, that's what makes up the 12%. So understand when they talk about 30 by 30, they're not talking about ownership because they own 40% of, of our nation already. They're talking about level of control. How restricted are those lands? And that's what they want to get our nation to 30% from here to 30% by 2030. That's the goal. That's what the administration is focused on. I want to kind of take you through a little tour of how they're doing this. So uh, do you remember last year when Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act? All right. So in tandem with that, almost immediately, the environmental community pushed out this new agenda called Rewilding the American West. And this is kind of a map of what it looks like. They want to create two corridors from Canada to Me Mexico that are contiguous wildlife corridors for the wolf and the beaver. One takes the land, the other takes the water. And what they don't already own, they plan to acquire through federal land acquisitions of the private property or conservation easements in perpetuity. Uh, one of the reasons that this is really important to note is because not only is it pushed by the environmental community, it was picked up and pushed by outside mag magazine, in other words, court the, the recreational interests. You know, they really try to, the environmentalists try to court uh, the uninformed public to really buy into the environmental agenda without understanding what's really taking place. Also, the World Economic Forum published this, so you know it's internationally backed. <laughs> in California, Governor Newsom was the first governor in, in our nation to implement 30 by 30 at the state level. And in 20, at the end of 2022, they had succeeded in adding 624,000 more acres into the program. They're at 24%. In Wyoming, the, the federal government, the Bureau of Land Management, made the largest federal acquisition of land in the state of Wyoming of 35,000 acres. They did it without the county commissioners or the governor even knowing they were going to do it. This is the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, which they expanded to 1.8 million acres. We're on the ground there helping them right now, uh, fighting the administration's effort to completely lock out cattle. This is the Lincoln National Forest in New Mexico, where they are proposing to add 54 wilderness study areas Where's to the, the area, Butte? which is a way of circumventing Congress. Congress can designate wilderness. This is the way to circumvent that so that they, in de facto, create wilderness, in other words, push the people off the land without having to get the vote from the public or the representatives. This is the carbon sequestration pipeline. Have you guys, any of you guys been following this in the breadbasket? All right. So uh, Summit Carbon Solutions right now is condemning property in South Dakota, and they don't even have a permit yet to build the land, to build the, to build the pipeline from South Dakota. And Governor Kristi Noem is the one who signed the bill that allowed them to do that. And she's been silent on this issue as she has taken the money for, from Summit Carbon Solutions. And let me just give you one more and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop down. This is Vermont, state of Vermont. Uh, not this last session, the session before. The House and the Senate passed a bill not to get to 30 by 30, but to get to 50 by 50. They are pushing the half-earth philosophy. 
Thankfully, there was a Republican governor who was just elected and he vetoed that bill. But this is Bernie Sanders state, so it shouldn't be too big of a shock that this is what, what they are pushing. 30 by 30 is real and it's here. And it's about the food, it's about the farmers, but importantly, it's about our land. They know if they can get our land, they can get our liberty. And that's what it's all about. And just, just packing on with what Alex said, the issue is never the issue. And one thing that my dad told me very, very early on as we were fighting the environmental movement is the issue is not whether we're going to use the resources, the issue is who is going to use the resources. All right, now uh, I will say this because I had a, a discussion uh, earlier in regards to a statement that was made um, in our chat thread, right? Uh, among, yeah, I mean, people. And, and uh, I forget who it was that made the statement. Um, but I said, we cannot, and, and trust me, I called people to arms. I did very proudly, legally too, mm -hmm. because there were federal agents under the Obama administration that were pointing guns at unarmed protesters. And I said, oh, you want to do that, huh? I said, well, guess what? Uh, let's have a barbecue. Bring your guns legally. Open carriers legal out here. Mm -hmm. We had hundreds of people heavily armed go out there. And hung out and there was peaceful resolution, but that's how, uh, you know, you get a peaceful resolution, right? Mm -hmm. You get a very smiley government uh, when they're uh, standing next to somebody that has a gun, right? Um, so I've done that, but that was a small area in Bunkerville, Nevada. Okay. Small area in Bunkerville, uh, Bunkerville Nevada. What is upon us right now? The Second Amendment, okay, for personal protection. And of course, if in an organized effort uh, it called upon, you know, well-regulated militia to defend our nation um, by proper authority. But what is upon us? There should not be any frustrated rogue operators that think that you can go, you know, you could literally nuke, you know, a state and these other states are going to. You know, they're, they're going to exist and that you, we cannot, this globalism, this Maoism uh, that has infected so many institutions uh, cannot be contended with kinetically. It's not going to happen. Look at what they're doing. They're, they're doing all of their damage. Not one shot's been fired. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. They've overpowered you and enslaved you just about. They're right on the precipice of doing that. They didn't fire one gun, did they? Not nope. one, not one gun. No, nope, but one. what they have done is criminalized resistance to their authority. Yes, they've criminalized that. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, let me um, let me do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna segue in in the in the following fashion. Just a quick, just so I can get my my guest set up here. Uh, Todd Bensman's going to be joining me here. Momentarily, I do want to ask you, um, Bella mm -hmm. Grace, Pete.BellaGraceGlobal.com. Yeah. Because you guys have done such a great job over the past 90 days, our first 90 days with Bella Grace. Mm -hmm. We're literally just uh, a few hundred dollars away from receiving a $2,000 bonus. So if you're considering getting Bella Grace, uh, and that's Bella, the Pete.BellaGraceGlobal. And you want to help us pay the streaming bill. 
Hey, right. Exactly. Uh, today would be, would be the great. day to do that. Yeah. That if you do decide to make your purchase, um, you, you can uh, get us over the top and we'll receive a $2,000 bonus because of your, not just your generosity. Everyone loves the product. So uh, stay right there. I'll be back right after this short message on Bella Grace. If you want to learn a little bit more, we'll be right back with Todd Benz. Don't great go stuff. away. Yep. I promise. With key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials, the exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Elixir is changing lives everywhere. This war on America's land. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most products fall short, and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other products, the Bella Grace Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. Six thousand times more potent than vitamin C. Astereal astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell. With key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials, the exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Elixir is changing lives everywhere. This war on America's land. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most products fall short, and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other products, the Bella Grace Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite influence the skin's metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. Six thousand times more potent than vitamin C. Astereal astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. Amazonian cat's claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bell Grace Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. The Greenlands are owned by the federal government. 
people are sometimes surprised to realize the state that I was raised in, Nevada. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the uh, essence of, of time, my next guest, uh, busy man, busy schedule. Uh, so I'm I'm cutting in uh, right now with uh, an abbreviated uh, break. Uh, now, Todd Bensman, he's an investigative journalist. He's been on the show. Uh, we bring him on monthly, I'd say, and we're honored to have him on. Um, he authored the book in 2023, a book called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Um, and prior to that, he wrote the book America's Covert Border War. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, uh, to Todd Bensman uh, that, that that title, of course, is he's a prolific writer, a great journalist, of course. Uh, but the, the word covert, I would say, is not appropriate to just write out in the open. It's just all out. I say warfare as it relates to the replacement migration strategy. It's funny, Todd. Uh, welcome back, sir. Um, you know who Taylor Lorenz is? Have you ever heard that name? Uh, I have heard it, but I, I'm not. You'd have to. You'd have to prompt me on she, uh, memory of what that is. She uh, and hold on one second. I got a little little technical glitch here. Uh, stand by. Let me just bring you on. Oh, here we go. Perfect. Um, she was actually talking to the girl that does libs uh, of TikTok, and she presented the um, replacement migration as some sort of a radical right wing conspiracy theory, and I pulled up the document, showed it to our audience that the United Nations wrote a document as to whether or not replacement migration was a strategy, including the U.S.'s data, a strategy for overcoming an aging uh, population and lower birth rate. So the United Nations themselves have a document called replacement uh, migration. And this is stuff that you've covered over many, many, many years. So I'm going to throw back to you. We've got limited time. I want you to give us an update. Uh, the Biden administration is not uh, uh, failing in any way, shape or form, as you've educated me, is that it's part of their strategy to do is exactly what's happening. And by the time Biden is, is, is gone from office, we'll have 18 million people uh, in the U.S. interior. Uh, it's well beyond a crisis at the border. But, sir, here's my question to you. To reverse that, if we were to do it, uh, how do you do a mass deportation of 18 million illegal immigrants? Is that even possible? Um, give us an update as to what's going on, how how far sure. gone we are. Well, I'm, you know, I take there's a there's a long range, a wide range of estimates about how many are actually in the U.S. from this mass migration crisis. Uh, because I'm with the Center for Immigration Studies, we uh, tend to lean toward the more conservative numbers that we know for sure that we can uh, peg to data or public official statements and that sort of thing. And uh, we think that they're probably on the order of about 10 million that have actually tried to enter or have entered Mm -hmm. the country. Right. So the actual number that are living in the country that we know for sure is probably more on the magnitude of 6 million. Uh, and, and, and in the next year, it'll be obviously, you know, another couple million. So probably somewhere like 8 million by the end of the Biden administration. Again, that's super conservative estimate. 
the way to deport those is going to be difficult because, uh, first of all, you have to have a president in office that has the will to do it. That would be Donald Trump, obviously, over Joe Biden. Um, and then your 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 infrastructure has to be able to support that. Right now, ICE only has about 6,000 officers nationwide that can do that sort of work. They're obviously going to concentrate on the criminals, the worst criminals first. We have to concentrate on them first. But we also have to eliminate the restrictions, the policy restrictions that have been put in place on rounding up people who have exhausted every court appeal that they have and, and for removal. Uh, and that might be families. That might be with children who are in school. And so Trump is going to have a big political problem rounding up and deporting people who are have no more appeals. Uh, and then there are a lot more that are just living illegally that need to be put into proceedings. Uh, there's a lot to be done. And I think that he needs to expand the core, probably double it uh, if he's going to do that. And also needs to convert all of the facilities that the Biden administration has built. Uh, lots of bed space, by the way. Um, they're just not using it uh, for for detention. But they could be easily converted to detention for families, for and not let anyone out uh, until their cases are adjudicated uh, and to, to do remain in Mexico again, to just stop the flow, uh, the, in, the inbound flow. It's gonna be politically uh, difficult because this mass migration crisis was very child-centric. Families by the hundreds of thousands, by the millions came in with a small child, that was their ticket in for, for the first three years of this, the first two and a half years of this. If you had a kid, you were automatically in. So obviously, huge numbers of people came in with kids and they're in school. And, you know, you know how that is. You're going to have the TV crews out there with ice guys, you know, and crying children screaming and their parents being taken away. Mm. So he's going to have to contend with that. Uh, first and foremost, it's going to be difficult. But I think that if he even just begins the process of of doing it, expanding the core, uh, that it will have a very powerful deterrent effect on everybody coming in down trail. Hmm. So it has to be done. If you want to stop this mass migration crisis, that has to happen. The uh, the United States, I've seen the insignia. You know who Michael Yan is? You've been with him uh, down there in the Darien Gap. I was with him last night. You were with him last night? Mm -hmm. I, I, was on the phone. I was on the phone with him last night and we oh. were talking about you, actually. Uh, um, and oh. uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to see him in the morning. <laughs> so. he's, he's doing such great work. Uh, you know, and, and you're doing great work. Imagine a small group of us in that. Uh, and by the way, uh, you're out. Is it 25 minute mark or 30 minute mark? I want to make sure I'm respectful. 25, minute mark. 25. You will be out at uh, the 25 minute mark. But um, imagine while at the same time we've got. And, and of course, this article that was published on the New York Post by you uh, and getting the word out, obviously, um, hiding the true impact of the open border, shocking 10 million have crossed. 
And you've always been very, very conservative. And just like you said, by the time he's done, that's an additional eight million. But getting the word out as to the magnitude, you know, Michael Yon down there and covering and and showing the pictorials. I mean, these 10 cities with the United Nations, UNESCO and um, IOM right uh, down there in Panama. Uh, this is a well-funded, well-oiled machine. Uh, th this is, th th I mean, even if you had mass migration, people fleeing war-torn countries, um, you would not have what we have if we're not state-sponsored, globally sponsored, correct? We would not have the amount of people coming up in the fashion that they are without it being state-sponsored, right? I just from working down there with the migrants talking to thousands of my immigrants over the last three years um i have kind of come around to the idea that uh, a great many of them probably would have stayed home uh had they not known in their hearts that there was a safety net a social safety net all along the trail that they will want for nothing uh it, it if you if you're a family contemplating making that trip you know, the first thing you're going to be thinking of is like, what am I going to do for food after, you know, a month or two? What am I going to do for clothing and shelter and all the rest of that? Maybe I should just stay home. Mm -hmm. It is well known throughout the entire world that there is a system of way stations mm. of aid and support, cash, food, clothing, medical treatment. There is nothing that you can't get um, in terms of basic needs all along the trail. Now, they argue, the UN uh, agencies and the NGOs down there, they argue in fairness that, well, they're fleeing death, certain death, and they have no choice but to come. So we're going to just get out there and make sure nobody dies along their way. They're coming on their own. It's their decision. Uh, but, you know, there's an alternative interpretation, obviously, to that, which is that, you know, you are aiding and abetting uh, their, their smuggling, basically. You're doing the smuggling and, and support supporting the smugglers and the cartels uh, in, in their profit-making machine to get these immigrants to the U.S. border. It's totally worth a debate because this is primarily funded by U.S. taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. Anytime there are taxpayer dollars uh, that are going to fund anything, it's a fair topic to debate uh, and have a, an argument about it. And I think we're starting to only now have that argument because nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew that the State Department and the USAID were just directly infusing you know, billions of dollars onto the trails down there directly into the pockets of immigrants uh, through debit cards and paying for uh, humanitarian transportation across borders uh, for housing and lodging and shelter and really everything uh, is coming right out of the taxpayer kitty, U.S. taxpayer kitty through the United Nations to the United Nations. Uh, and uh, they've had three years to really build this infrastructure. So what Michael's down there, uh, what you're seeing uh, for, with Ben Burkwam and some of these others, and from me too, because I've been I've spent a lot of time down in those camps. Oh, is yeah. You're seeing three years later of like really established, built up 
infrastructure mm-hmm. um, looks like now that's just like a machine, well-oiled machine moving hundreds of thousands of people through. I mean, the Darien Gap, in, in I've been studying it for years before this ever happened. I've written about it. I had a whole book that had that was based on Darien Gap. I've been there. Um, maybe 10,000 a year would come through there, but often six, seven, and 8,000 a year. Last year, we had 450,000 come through that Darien Gap uh, because the whole world has heard about this. And I'll get off my soapbox about that. Now, you know, let me highlight something uh, just to, uh, so that everyone can just um, uh, take in and, uh, and relate to uh, the magnitude. Um, if you go to a, a big event in any particular city, you know, a stadium and there's a big festival and you have hundreds of thousands of people that converge, the pre-planning for that alone, for that many people to be in a concentrated area, just in porta-potties alone. Just, just that one simple thing because of the number of people that are coming through. Uh, imagine 400,000, which is, you know, uh, 400,000 people coming up that way to facilitate that is a major logistical um, accomplishment, we'll say, right? It's incredible. incredible. And it's, it's being done... I don't think people understand that, you know, Alejandra Mayorkas has actually gone to the Darien Gap multiple times uh, to personally arrange the diplomacy with the countries involved mm-hmm. to make it faster and easier uh, and and uh, more secure for people to cross through that jungle gap. Mm-hmm. They call it safe, orderly and humane. It's the official policy of the U.S. government. Uh, so the the Biden administration is intentionally, mm. wittingly making it easier to mm. for for the whole world to pass through there. That's why those numbers are so are so huge. It used to be actually dangerous to cross through the Darien Gap. It's far less dangerous now. Mm. There's security. There's boat. There's uh, they're using the water to go further north. And rivers and Cinefron is out there providing security now. And cartel. <laughs> this is all by design uh, from the Biden administration, where what ought to be happening if you want to stop this hmm. is that all aid and assistance and um, access to U.S. markets for Panama and Colombia hmm. and Costa Rica should be cut off until. They agree to start airlifting all of these immigrants back to their home countries at U.S. expense. Mm. At U.S. expense, we could pay for it. We could pay for it. It'd be a lot cheaper. We have ICE air flights that we could. And there's there's uh, I've been there. There's lots of military airports in Panama and plenty in Colombia where we they we in, in Costa Rica too. Those three countries. If they all three had air deportations paid for by the United States, that daring gap traffic would end overnight. Right. It would end overnight. Yeah. But it's the opposite instead. It's the yeah. opposite. You know, uh, final comment. I'm going to take the uh, last five minutes. You have a, an event uh, that's uh, uh, that's coming up. I want to make sure that we get the word out because it's coming up on March 5th in Boston. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But can you imagine um, shoot, I've been to the Philippines. Uh, I mean, I've fed families with 
you know, I've gone out uh, uh, outside of the military bases when I was in the Philippines with a 50 pound bag of rice and literally fed families for an entire month. And there it's a very, very poor country, a lot of poor countries. Can you imagine that if I were to offer them twenty two hundred dollars a month, all of them, <laughs> you know, uh, you could do more than feed a family because a 50 pound bag of rice is a lot less than that. There are people right now uh, that are on Social Security that make less uh, that all they have to do is to go back down to the Daring Gap, come back up. They're going to receive a, a pay increase because public subsidies, you know, unfortunately, your Social Security is not going to cover it. They're giving them that much money. Where's this money coming from? We don't have enough. and We, we have unfunded liabilities. Uh, quick comment on that. That's having a detrimental impact and obviously causing a lot of people to jump on the on, on the train. Huh? The truth is, is we we don't really have a good, a clear picture of where that money is coming from. We know that some of it is coming from FEMA. Once they're in the U.S., by the way, uh, we're just talking about their southbound money uh, that's going through the U.N. and often directly in the form of grants to hundreds of NGOs that are working down there who then convert that to material goods and cash for the immigrants to keep them going. But then there's a whole other operation on the U.S. side that's oh, resettlement yeah. oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that the that FEMA has drastically increased its um, subsidies for, uh, you know, emergency uh, homeless for emergency homeless uh, care. And it goes it goes to states, uh, which then redistribute it. Uh, to cities, which then redistribute it. So it's hard to track that cash, but we know that FEMA is sending a lot of money for housing. Uh, we know that uh, other agencies uh, are taking contracts from the government, like HIAS, like Catholic Charities, huge, huge contracts, hundreds of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars worth of contracts to help manage the resettlement uh, effort in the U.S. and they're taking their cut, but we don't know how they're who's they're giving cash to. There's a program. Uh, let me just lay one of these things out. Just one thing. Yep. There's a there's a program that the Biden administration put in place where foreign nationals can apply on a cell phone app for entry into the U.S. from their home countries or from third countries. Are you kidding they, me? And they fly directly from foreign airports, four hundred, uh, three hundred and twenty thousand just please, in twenty twenty. Please tell me that's not true. To, that's what? true. That's true. They have them on their apps in their home countries. Yes, and Holy they can fly. They can fly directly from foreign countries into U.S. airports. <sighs> uh, they have to. They have to pay for it on their own, but the State Department has a travel loan program. That is interest free and more importantly, penalty free mm -mm -mm. Uh, where they have would, you know, once they're in the U.S., they're supposed to pay back the travel loan to the government. But mm. if you don't have penalties or late fees or, you know, yep. anything like that, I would guess that those are basically Todd, travel. We're paying, we're paying for all their their airfare. I promised you that I would have you out of here at the 25 minute mark. And I want to make sure that we do not skip this right here. Uh, anybody in the Boston area, 
Uh, you're going to be doing an event. We'll take the remaining uh, balance of time here to talk about this event right here. It's in Boston. Boston is full. The border's broken. You're going to be out there on Tuesday, March 5th, and we need all hands on deck with you, correct? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, the organizers are bringing me in to uh, speak on this to ground zero in Massachusetts of the mass migration there. They've had 200,000 show up there because they're a sanctuary state, a sanctuary city, and immigrants will go to resettle in the places that give them the most stuff. So, uh -huh. you know, of course, um, uh, and nobody's really covering it or talking about it. And uh -huh. the organizers, um, Bostonians, uh, I think it's there at the bottom of that, Bostonians against sanctuary cities uh, are going to have me in. But they, they're telling me that they're having no support that the local Republican parties in the Boston area and in Massachusetts refuse to get the word out about my event. Mm. Uh, the, the organizers are saying that they're uh, super rhinos there in Boston. I don't know. I don't know Massachusetts politics, but why would Republicans be working against you? Republicans working against my event. So if you're seeing this and you know, people in Boston, uh, have them come out. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to speak. I'll take questions. I'm going to tell people what's really going on why they're in Boston. And I'm going to offer some solutions for what people can do there. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but definitely want to circumvent the Republican parties in the Boston area. Uh, they are trying to okay. do. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the word out. We have 30 seconds left here. All right. And uh, I'll provide all the links. Don't even worry about it. We're going to promote it. And I'm also going to let Jeremy Harrell is running LFA TV. He was just at an event in Boston with 20,000 Christian American patriots. It was a Christian event. 20,000. Uh, we need to light up that network, right? That was in Boston for a gathering like that because we Christian American patriots love our country. We want to help support your efforts. And I'm going to get the word out out there uh, through Jeremy today. And we'll continue to promote the, the event between now and March 5th. No small group of rhinos is going to stop us from gathering. That's a First Amendment violation, sir. Todd, you're off and running. I promise you I'd have you have you out of here. Thank you so much for joining me. We're honored. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. All right. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be uh, promoting this event in a big way. And you just heard it. Uh, the quote unquote rhinos are working against uh, this event, uh, first of all, we have a right. We have a First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. Uh, and we've got Republicans that are violating our constitutional rights to do that. Even if you don't know what's going on and uh, border issues are not your thing, uh, you should be vigorously, uh, even if you're in the general vicinity of Boston, Massachusetts, you get in your car and you tell you tell these these rhinos, not just no, but hell no, you're not going to stop us uh, from from coming uh, together uh, peacefully, of course, gathering and educating ourselves with uh, the good people like uh, uh, like Todd Bensman. Uh, Deb, you know what? Uh, you're going to you're going to have to forgive me. All right. Uh, uh -huh. Did you did you hear uh, Todd Benson? I'm going to have to step away for just one second here. I need to get something real quick. Mm -hmm. um, did you hear uh, Todd Benzman, what he said about this event? I know you were you were in transit down here. This event on uh, March, March 5th. No, nope, I didn't. The Rhino Republicans are blocking his efforts and of not course. helping to promote the event. 
Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Are we surprised? Yeah. Are we surprised that the Republicans would block an event? You know, really? I mean, listen, they don't want the pressure. They they don't want the pressure of of anything of that's going on in this country, and and they are going to push back. I'll never forget how much pushback over the last 13, 14 years, going on 14 here soon, that um, Pete and I have had to overcome from the Republicans in this country. It's amazing. They they let it, they let everything, they let it get to the boiling point in this country. And, and then, you know, we all... We all push back on them and and then they blame us, right? I mean, that's just basically how it's been in this country for as long as I can imagine. Listen, I think a lot of people um, misunderstand, you know, the roots of where Pete and I come from. We started out doing the Pete Santelli show, railing against the Republicans and and the liberals, right? But we, oh my gosh, John McCain, the Bushes, Mitt Romney, all of them. We had absolutely 100% no use for them whatsoever. And boy, were, were we ever attacked. We were attacked <laughs> by, the, by the right, by this conservative right. I lost many friends, right, um, early on. Because we we were speaking out against uh, Bush, and you know, and 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 I told them exactly what I told you, Pete, at one point when I first met you, and you told me that the first go around, you had at the last minute, you had voted for Barack Obama, and I said, "You're not alone, Pete." I mean, even though I never well, well uh, hold on a second, can I could you just pre qualify this? Right, yeah. I was that upset. Yeah. At George well, Bush. Well, that's the conversation we're having here. Yeah. Uh, because we talk, we're talking about Republicans stopping Todd or trying to stop Todd mm -hmm. from having this from having this uh, uh, event. Mm. I told Pete, I said, you're not alone, Pete. You're not alone. There were a lot of a lot of people. Uh, who would consider themselves Republicans or conservatives who voted for uh, Barack Obama because they were so sick and tired of the Bushes and, and the Cheneys mm -hmm. and the John McCain's. They were just sick of them, right? And, and only your hardcore conservatives and, you know, at that point, we're voting for, uh, we're voting for, you know, John McCain or the Bushes or are rallying on their sides anymore. They're really, the country yeah. started changing. Then. You know, uh, you're going to have to forgive me. Uh, I have to get with attorney Tom Rents mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to come off air early. Yeah. I am. It's a busy day. And well, it's you a know good that I'm kind of under the weather. Anyway, yes, so. that too. Uh, mm -hmm. 
So I just got word uh, from attorney Tom Rents. I, I need to bring him on, too, for an update. He was working on some spectacular things. A lot of great patriots. Yeah, a lot of people uh, are working, are on, working on some great things. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, it's hard to keep but up this, with. Uh, and, and this is uh, one thing that it has to do with. OK. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to encourage you. Uh, now, tonight, um, uh, I'm having the vice president of Impact HealthShare, uh, ACN and Impact HealthShare, Patrick mm-hmm. Mazur. He's coming on for an interview. Okay. Then he's going to do, uh, and he's a very, very important, busy person. Uh, mm-hmm. But I pretty much demanded that he come and address all of us about educating us on this Impact Health Sharing revolt against the mainstream medical industrial complex. It is a revolutionary, disruptive shift away from. And by the way, we've never met one person that says, oh, no, I'm going to stay with my boosting and my my medical industrial complex stuff. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Not too often. huh? Nobody. All right. Now, we are an accredited uh, representative uh, now of Impact HealthShare. All right. And an accreditation, you know, I had to take a test and do all this stuff, get everything set up right. We're going to give you a quote. We're going to get you properly educated. Okay, because you can't just tell everybody with a text message, hey, we'd like to replace all the two by fours in your house. (laughs) You know, uh, nobody's going to just do that without knowing what's replacing it, because, Mm. you know, you can't just pull the insurance out from underneath your family without knowing that you're going to get something great. Uh, replacing the two by fours, right? So there's a couple steps there to get yourself properly educated. It's a great thing. All right, I'll give you an example. Um, Patrick Mazur uh, was was spending $3,000 a month and he basically spends $600 a month for his family. Mm-hmm. Went from 3000 to 600 This is remarkable. You can save... Yep. You can save. Uh, and by the way, some people don't have insurance because it was unaffordable to them. Um, so just That's keep right. that in mind. Mm-hmm. So we are going to uh, partner with ACN and Impact Health Sharing. We're going to get people educated, of course. And guess what else? Uh, if you want to set up a local referral network and have a small home based business, you know, just offering referrals and making a, even if it's a few hundred dollars a month in referrals and to pay for your own health, um, uh, healthcare. You can do that as well, uh, by becoming an affiliate and you're one of 3,143 counties. That's going to be my main, uh, forte. I don't have medical insurance as Dottie Gooden. This is what I want you to do. Mm. I want you to get a quote. Okay. Get a quote. Yes. Uh, and you can go to impactmyhealthshare.com. Here it is. We'll see you guys, uh, today. Uh, at four o'clock, I'll be doing interviews this afternoon. Uh, I'll be, be with Patrick Mazur. You'll be hearing from me. I want everyone to know that the impactmyhealthshare.com, get a free quote, enter your info. We'll be back in touch with you to give you an invite to the next um, uh, question and answer session. All right. All right. That's here exciting. we go. Yes, it is exciting. Yeah. Bye, everybody. 
Hi, I'm Phil Chrysler, President and CEO of Impact Health Sharing. Healthcare sharing began in churches. You were asked to contribute to help Bob and Sue with their ailment. People passed the hat and you contributed what you could to help your fellow member in need. Then fast forward, you saw great things occurring in the Amish and Mennonite communities doing exactly the same thing. Then it got a little more formalized in the 80s with some religious based organizations and then the Affordable Care Act came along. That's really what propelled healthcare sharing to its modern day growth. You remember the individual mandate penalized you with a tax if you didn't have health insurance. But if you were a member of certain healthcare sharing organizations, you didn't have to pay that. Now we know the individual mandate has of course been reduced to zero. But in the meantime, healthcare sharing grew over a thousand percent in the last decade alone. Why? Because it's an alternative to the high cost of insurance. Typically, you'll pay 30 to 50% less. Some reasons why? We're not for profit. So we have no profit motives that typically cause conflict between members, providers, shareholders, and the executive team. None of that exists with healthcare sharing and certainly with impact. You can stop overpaying, my friends. Here's an important statistic to understand why. Department of Health and Human Services says about about 5% of the population account for nearly half of the healthcare spending that occurs in this country. Majority are healthy. They're overpaying though for the non-healthy. Insurance has become really no longer affordable. 80% of US adults rate lowering their healthcare costs as their top concern. So why impact? Well, we're rooted in the love thy neighbor approach, which allows us to welcome all races, all religions, all colors, all creeds. We were the very first healthcare sharing entity to launch this patented technology platform that really provides 100% transparency. This had never been done before in healthcare sharing, certainly not in health insurance. We have member owned accounts. That way the money stays in your account. We have no network. You get to see any doctor you want. Again, providing uh, full transparency on how all the money moves is something we're really, really proud of. And you, of course, you have no open enrollment restrictions. Membership begins the first of every month. You just got to finish that application by the last day of the previous month. We also have great pricing and programs for individuals, for families, for seniors, and for groups. And remember, friends, it's a comprehensive program for your health. So we have preventative services, maternity, accident, illness, and of course, injuries. You have access to telemedicine, and an industry-leading prescription drug pricing program. My friends, what we are simply doing is leveraging your sense of community with technology to control the cost of healthcare. I hope you'll join us. Save as much as 30 to 70% on your healthcare costs. Get a free quote from Impact by visiting impactmyhealthshare.com. Click the link below or scan the QR code on the screen to visit our website automatically.